This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Coast Guard is in the midst of updating lots of things, its fleet of ships and cutters, its health record system. Coasties are also partway through an overhaul of business practices and the supporting financial management system. For an update on that, we turn to the Coast Guard's Chief Financial Officer, Rear Admiral Mark Fedor. Rear Admiral Fedor, good to have you on. Tom, thank you for having us today. Appreciate being here. So is it fair to say the Coast Guard is about halfway through a multi-year effort to update both the way it does business financially and the systems that support all of this? Did I get that right? I think that's fair, Tom. And I'd start off with saying, just to put it in the context, you know, the Coast Guard is a unique organization in the federal government. Really the only one who's one of the six armed services, a member of the national intelligence community, and also with law enforcement and a humanitarian mission. So that's very unique. And so that offers a lot to the American public, but it also makes us very complex. And so that streams right down to our financial management system of how we're doing this. So when you mentioned this multi-year effort, it has been. This has been one of the initiatives the Department of Homeland Security has pursued really since they stood up in 2003. And it's had stops and starts along the way. But the last few years, we've really gained some momentum. And there's been two agencies within the department that have already transitioned to this new system, the Countering Weapons of Mass Destruction and the TSA, Transportation Security Administration. And now we're next, and then ICE will follow us. So where we are in the process, it's really a multi-faceted process. I almost say parallel tracks. One is on the IT side, and the other is the business process reengineering. And we are about halfway down that path with an ultimate goal of going live on this new system in October of this year. So I would describe our IT efforts. There's kind of three long poles in the tent. I would say the first is the data interfaces. We have a lot of old and fragile and stovepiped legacy databases, and we need to try to take all these and connect them to this new financial management system, which is essentially an Oracle-based kind of commercial system. So we're trying to connect these old legacy databases to them, just a simple connection, which is harder than it sounds. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the data migration piece of it. And this is cleaning data, making sure it's compatible in those old systems with the new systems so that data can transfer back and forth. You know, you talk a lot about data analytics, and that's a great thing, and that's where we want to go. But the first thing you have to do is clean that data and make sure it's, it's ready to be transmitted, make it clean for that, that data migration. Third thing is training the workforce, and that's when we're getting into that business process reengineering. So where we are is we don't have full access to the new system just yet, but we know the procedures that we have to follow in order to use that new system. And that's that's what we're doing in business process reengineering is essentially training our workforce, our procurement and contracting specialists on kind of the muscle movements of what they need to do to operate this new system. And that's where you saw that message that talked about how we're going about that in the field. Now, with respect to BPR, you said that the overall system here is departmental-wide at DHS and the TSA is already there and so on. But given the uniqueness and the multiplicity of missions that the Coast Guard has, is that all adaptable to the Coast Guard without violating the standards that will be there for the departmental-wide system? 
It will be, and, and that's the challenge for us is we are complex. We maintain connections both IT-wise and chain of command with the Department of Defense because we're in our service, but we also have to live in the .gov world of where the Department of Homeland Security is. So as we build this system, we have to connect these legacy databases that are unique to the Coast Guard to this new financial management system. But the good thing is as we're doing that along the way, we're ensuring that we're following all the appropriate cybersecurity protocols so that as this new system comes live, we are secure. And that's one of the challenges because, you know, in the Department of Defense, there's obviously a high, high priority on system integrity and reducing any vulnerabilities. And we have a lot of financial transactions with DOD. So we have to make sure those are secure, the data is clean as we transition to this new system. So it is safe to say this, this effort is more complex for the Coast Guard than it is for our, our component, uh, for our sister agencies in the Department of Homeland Security. We knew this coming into it because the Coast Guard is by its nature, going all the way back to 1790, a disaggregated force. We have individual units all around the country, some very small, others larger, and we've always empowered those units to do business, to do operations on their own, on their own initiative. And they did that administratively as well. What we're realizing over time as we get in the 21st century here is we want them to continue operating independently, but administratively we realize that some things can be centralized. We could save some money, find efficiencies in our system, and that's what this new financial management system will help us do. We're speaking with Rear Admiral Mark Fedor. He's Chief Financial Officer of the Coast Guard. And the staff under you on the uh, CFO staff, do they have to learn a lot of new procedures and a lot of new applications to do what they've always been doing, which is managing the finances? They do. And, and we have a, a, a team that is dedicated to this business process reengineering that we call it to build these new systems out and then understand them and then get them translated down to the field. So to tell you how we're doing this, so this commercial off-the-shelf system, again, it's Oracle-based. We can't really change that. that. That system is going to stay the same. However, what we can do on our end is we are using some of our own IT tools that we have to basically reflect how the Coast Guard does business reflect changes that could come, knowing that we can't change that overall Oracle financial system, we can change some of our internal processes, and that will reflect the realities that we find ourselves in. So we're going through this process of training people how to use the new system, but then also getting ready for innovations and changes that we know will happen so that we can use our own systems to connect to this financial management system that can't change. So we, we want to be adaptive. We, we don't want to just build a static piece of equipment. We want to reflect, you know, the Coast Guard lives in a very, very like everyone else, a very dynamic world. Threats change all the time. Resources change all the time. So, so we're building that kind of front-end system. And one of the, the innovative things we've really done, and I give my team a lot of credit for doing this, is we've published, we're publishing a lot of emails that go out, newsletters, and we're reaching out to folks, having a lot of uh, Zoom calls, which everyone's getting used to these days. But the one thing that's really getting me excited now is what we call the Champions Change Network. These are folks who are kind of mid-level to junior people in the organization that are out in the field. You know, nobody likes hearing from headquarters, right? A lot of dictates come out of headquarters and people are kind of roll their eyes. What we're trying to do is grow those grassroots disciples out in the field who can understand what we're trying to do from the headquarters level, but then translate it down to the working level, to the folks doing this job, this financial management job out in the field. And that's what we call our Champions Change Network. And we just kicked it off. We're hoping to have about 200 people 
that will kind of be able to translate what headquarters is trying to do out into the field. So I'm hopeful for that. Sounds like surgery. Watch one, try one, teach one. It, that that's that's really what it is, and we know you know this is a complex endeavor. It's really changing fundamentally how, how the Coast Guard does business, and what we're starting to bump up to is you know I mentioned before how culturally, operationally, and culturally we're very disaggregated. We have units all over the place, but we realize that we need to centralize in order to find efficiencies to do things like strategic sourcing. But as you do some of those efforts, you realize that you're bumping up against the very culture, the very nature of our service. And so it's my job to try to find that balance. How can we make sure our operators are fully supported? They can still operate independently, but we can pull some of that administrative burden away from them, centralize it, while still supporting them to do the mission that they need to do. And and that's complex. And, uh, And so we are learning as we go. But one thing we are committed to is open and transparent communications, constant communications, and a willingness to listen to the field. I like to think we've done that. We could probably improve. I'm sure, you know, there's there's some folks on the field who don't fully understand what's going on, but it's our goal to try to reach them. And this Champion Change Network will hopefully help us do that. And these legacy databases, I guess too bad none of them are Oracle, or it might be easier to transfer them. But how do you extract that data because very often it's connected to the applications that you're retiring. So that's essentially what we have to do is we have to disconnect them from that legacy financial system and then reconnect them to this new system. But while you do that, you still need to maintain, you know, as we do, a, we're going to do a cutover period in, uh, in October into November where this new system really transfers from the old legacy financial database to the new one. But while we do that, we still need the ability to pay our bills, to make sure our operators have the equipment that they need. So we're going to have to live in two worlds for that cutover period as we make the full transition over. So that will be a complex period, and it'll be challenging, but we have a plan to go through that. And, and just to give you an idea of why we need to do this, right now we maintain three general ledgers within the Coast Guard. And I kind of equate it to, you know, your family and having one pot of money and maybe, you know, you maintain a checkbook register, your spouse maintains another checkbook register, and your teenage son has another checkbook register, and, and he's constantly eating at Chipotle and ordering off Amazon. And at the end of every month, you try to reconcile these three checkbooks. And how, how do you do it? It'd probably be tough to do that just within a family. Now think about the Coast Guard, uh, a 58,000-person organization, when you include our civilians and reserves, and you're trying to do this every month with hundreds of thousands of transactions. It's just not feasible. And, and we know, you know we're, we're really losing a lot of efficiencies along the way. So this transition will really merge those three general ledgers into one. Um, And we think we'll be able to leverage that going forward. And just a final question on, again, that release mentioned the Tier 1 organizations are transferring first to the new system, then Tier 2. And I know you love all your children, but how do you determine who's Tier 1 and (laughs) Tier 2? Right. And and it's, it's actually the opposite of what you might think of how we did that. We knew being a big organization, we couldn't just make this change all at once. So we started off what we called our Tier 1 units. And these were really some, some of the larger units, our larger operational units, kind of regional commands. And these are folks, though, who did not have organic contracting and procurement support. They relied on other people to do it for them. 
So now, knowing that they needed to learn some new systems of how or new processes for how they were going to request these contracts and services, we needed to get them trained first because they just did not have the experience or the organic kind of personnel to help them through that. So they were tier one. They're already live. They're doing it you know, along these regional commands. We have nine regional commands. They have stood up what we call regional support teams, and they're doing this business process reengineering, and they're developing the muscle movement. Things like segregation of duties, you know, you're not having the same person that requests an order, pays for it, and then receives it. You know, that just that could potentially lead to fraud, waste, and abuse. So those are some of the muscle movements we're teaching. So that was the Tier 1 units. The Tier 2 units are, are some of the also larger units, but folks who did have some organic contracting and procurement support. So they weren't totally on their own, and, and we knew they'd be a little more adaptive to this new process. And so they just went live in February. And so they're kind of working through a little bit of growing pains, but they're getting there. And then the tier three units are those who have a lot of contracting and procurement support organic to them. These are these are units like our major cutters, because when they deploy around the world, they need to be able to buy things. And so they have that. And so they just need to learn how to use the new system itself. And, and so we felt comfortable with them. And, and they will probably go live uh, on this new system when the entire service goes live with it as well. And by the way, so that, that's how we kind of stratified it. Is there a shipboard component to this? Should they need to do something while at sea? Uh, they can. They can. And, and the Coast Guard, you know, has, we've made a lot of investments just IT-wise to improve connectivity on some of our underway cutters. And so you need to have that connectivity when you're at sea in order to access these databases. Another thing we're really trying to work on, too, is if for some reason, whether it's operational related, sometimes you don't want to communicate, there will be an ability to kind of still capture the data that you need. And then when you're able to safely transmit, you can transmit that data later. So you don't lose it, essentially, and you don't have to duplicate the work. So that, that's our hope going forward. Rear Admiral Mark Fedor is Chief Financial Officer of the Coast Guard. Thanks so much for joining me. Tom, thank you very much for having us and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.